بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين طيب إن شاء الله تعالى so we finished session one like I said it's a little longer um, <coughs> we are now actually going to talk about we're going to get into the content of the course the first I, the first session was important I, I feel to give us an idea of our perspective on salah so we understand it properly now we yesterday in the Jum'ah Khutbah we talked about the importance of salah Yesterday in the Jum'ah Khutbah, we talked about the importance of Salah. So now we're going to just jump right into the importance of Khushur. Why we're gathered here today. Number one, just some basic definitions. What does the word Salah mean? The word Salah, it actually means Dua lil-Rahma. It actually means linguistically, when you, you know when we say Dua, like when we supplicate to Allah, we ask Allah for something? That's what Salah actually means linguistically. So even there's a hadith in which the Prophet Ubay ibn Ka'b asked the Prophet ﷺ, How much of my dua should I make dedicated to you, sending salam upon you? But he used the word salah. That's actually what salah means, it means dua. Now, it comes from the root word which means sila, or which, which is sila, which means a connection. So subhanAllah, you see the Prophet ﷺ when he went to Mi'raj, when he ascended to the heavens, and the journey we just talked about, you could see why salah is a connection between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because salah is called the mi'raj al-mu'min, the, the, the ascension of a believer. Because when we pray, and we'll talk about it inshaAllah, we actually experience this, this, this feeling that you can't experience any, anywhere outside of salah. So linguistically, salah means a, a supplication, dua. And it comes from the word, the root, which means uh, a connection. Now, why do we pray? What is the purpose of prayer? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, وَأَقِيمِ الصَّلَاةَ لِذِكْرِي And establish the prayer for my remembrance. So the reason why we pray is to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what's interesting is in this verse, this is actually when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told, gave Musa alayhi salam the command of prayer. You know when Musa was given the command of salah? It was actually the same when Allah first talked to him, Directly. So just like our Prophet Muhammad received revelation of salah directly, the five prayers directly from Allah, Musa also received salah directly in a conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah told him, and establish the prayer for my remembrance. Number two, salah prevents us from sins. Salah prevents us from sins. Allah subhanahu wa says in the Quran, Allah says and recite what we have revealed to you from the book, the Quran and establish the prayer. For surely, the prayer prevents one from evil and wicked deeds. Then he says, and the remembrance of Allah is greater, and Allah knows what you do. Now, what's interesting is that, does salah prevent us from evil deeds? Allah says salah prevents from evil deeds, but does our salah prevent us from evil deeds? You know, a man came to the Prophet and, and told him about a person. He says, in the Fulan, Yusalli Billayl. He says that this man, he prays in the night. He prays not just the five prayers. This man prays tahajjud. When he wakes up in the night and he prays to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he says, 
that فَإِذَا أَصْبَحَ سَرَقْ When he wakes up, he's, in the daytime he steals. So he's saying, this is kind of strange. He prays to Hajj that night and he steals in the daytime. You know, I remember once I was at Salat al-Fajr in the masjid in, in Michigan. And there was next to me at my university. I went to Michigan State University. It's a big, big party school. So there was a brother next to me who was praying and we were sitting in line waiting for the Salat. And so I told him that actually the MSA that night we, we had like a, a Pist- Detroit Pistons game outing. They bought like 30 tickets or something. And the MSA was going to watch Detroit Pistons game. It was a Friday night, so I, it was a Friday in the daytime. So I, I said, you know, like Friday night, you know, obviously the club scene is big and whatnot. So I told him, I knew the brother was struggling a little bit. So I said, hey, the MSA is going to this Pistons game. You know, you're welcome to join them and go with them. You know, it's inviting him to halal, something, an alternative. I mean, depending on what you consider. But it's better than going to the club. So, the, so I told him, you know, so he gets companionship with the MSA brothers and things. And he actually, he told me, he said, no, I'm actually, this is at Fajr, the first line in the masjid. He's saying, I'm actually going to the club tonight with my friends. It's kind of strange. You're like, you're at the masjid for Fajr, but you're going to the club tonight. So subhanAllah, the Prophet was told this man, he, he prays to Hajjid, but he steals in the daytime. And the Prophet told the man, إِنَّهُ سَيَنْهَاهُ مَا تَقُولُ that what you say about this man, if he is praying in the night, then certainly that will prevent him from doing what he does, from stealing. So the question is, does our salah prevent us from sins? Brothers and sisters, it absolutely will. The problem is not in the equation, the problem is in the one implementing the equation. Allah says that salah prevents us from sin. Now if we don't pray the way we're supposed to pray, if we don't have a feeling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that we're talking to Allah and we feel we're standing before Allah, then salah becomes mechanics and it just becomes exercise. And it won't prevent us from, from sinning. But if we pray with our hearts attentive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then indeed salah will eventually stop us from committing those bad deeds. And we'll talk about that inshallah as we continue with the program. Now so this is salah, but what about khushu'ah? We've been saying the whole time, khushu'ah. What does this word mean? The definition of khushu'ah is to feel humbled and overwhelmed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of love for Him and fear for Him and hope in Him and humility to Him that this feelings, it, it manifests itself in a way that shows its effects on your limbs. It's kind of wordy, I'll say it one more time. To feel humbled and overwhelmed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a manner that the body exhibits signs of this humility to Allah. So when one prays, if they're khashi', then they're not going to be scratching their head, they're not going to be yawning and checking their watch because their feeling, their inner feeling of humility and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifests, manifests itself on the body. You know, we have, for, to give you an idea, you know when, when your son or daughter, or when you guys are playing video games, or you're watching the game, right, you're watching the NBA finals, when you're watching, you know, the game, the game winner, remember when Durant the other day, he got the ball, he on the, LeBron fouled him, no call. He's like, I think everybody was khasha at that moment. Everybody is focused on the TV screen. Nobody knows what's going on outside. They don't know what's happening. If somebody called, hey, hey, uh, Ibrahim, he wouldn't hear it because he's so focused. What's happening? That's what people, when they play video games, 
their mother could be literally this close to them saying, Abdullah, you gotta wash the dishes. And he doesn't hear a word his mom is saying. He doesn't hear it. Because he's so focused on what he's doing to beat this stage or beat the boss or whatever it is, he tuned out everything else. And that's khushu'ah. But for the wrong things. We want to have khushu'ah in our salah. So that we are so focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that everything else just gets tuned out. So if our back is itching, we don't feel it. If the kids are playing around next to us, we don't hear them. Because we're focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, Ibn Kathir, he states, speci- states specifically about khushu' and salah. He says, khushu' and prayer is only attained by the one who has emptied his heart totally. Who does not pay, pay attention to anything else besides salah. And who prefers salah above everything else. This is how we have khushu' in our prayer. Now, the definition of khushu' in our prayer. Now, why is khushu' important? Why is this Quality, important. Why are we spending a whole day trying to improve our khushu'a? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Mu'minun, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ Indeed, the believers have attained success. And the ayat are about 9-10 ayat, and they describe who, who the believers are and who are successful. The first description Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave is that when they pray, in their salah, they have this quality of khushu'ah. To stand before Allah humbled to Allah with concentration and humility and love and fear of Allah. They have attained success. And what does the ultimate success? Allah says to, in the conclusion of these set of ayat, They are the inheritors of they are the inheritors, those who will inherit Al-Firdaus Al-A'la The highest level of Jannah Of which the roof of this level of Jannah Is the Arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Your neighbors with Allah How do you get to that level? The first quality Allah said is The believers who get to this level They are those who have khushu' in their prayers Number two Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describing the hypocrites who he says about them, إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ فِي الدَّرْكِ الْأَسْفَلِ مِنَ النَّارِ They're in the lowest level of hellfire. The worst punishment, worse than the kuffar, is the punishment for the hypocrites. Allah says about them, إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَهُوَ خَادِعُهُمْ The hypocrites, they try to deceive Allah, but it is Allah who deceives them. وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ قَامُوا كُسَالًا يُرَاءُونَ النَّاسِ وَلَا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا He says that when they stand to pray, they stand lazily. They're lazy in their prayers. And they don't remember Allah except a little. And they do it to show off. They only remember Allah a little. Now brothers and sisters, the question is when we pray, do we pray like this? With our hands, Allah Akbar. No. Are we lazy in our prayers? When we sit down, our, is our back straight? Or are we kind of slouched and going back and forth? How do we pray? The hypocrites play, pray lazily. And Allah says, they remember Allah only a little. So the question is, do we remember Allah a lot or a little in our prayer? If we only remember Allah a little and the rest we're just thinking about our work and the job and sports and, and, and Facebook and what else? 
were actually qualifying for a, a description Allah described the hypocrites with, and that's scary. Now, as we mentioned yesterday in the khutbah, it's khushu' is so important that one salah cannot be even counted if they don't have khushu'. The Prophet said in the Sahih Hadith in the Muslim Imam Ahmad that, that in al abdala yusalli salah ma yuktabu lahu minha illa ushraha tis'aha thumunaha sub'aha sudusaha khumsaha rub'aha thuluthuha nisfaha. He says that a believer can pray and he will only be given a tenth of its reward. So imagine for Dhar today we pray, after we do the whole four rak'ahs, everything, you leave and you only got 10% of the reward. Why? The Prophet said, or a ninth, or an eighth, or a seventh, or a sixth, or a fifth, or a third, or a quarter, or half. Why? Because you're only rewarded for, for the part of prayer which you are attentive. Which your mind is focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he says, salaf as a consensus of the early scholars, that, that, He says that by a consensus of the early scholars, that no one will have a reward from their prayer except for that which they understood and that which they focused on. So now it's scary. Because now we're talking about, okay, we pray five times a day, but are we getting the full reward of our prayer? That's why this topic is so important. Now, khushu' brothers and sisters is not easy. This is not an easy thing to attain. And I am probably most in need of this reminder than anybody else. This is not easy. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ, he said in an authentic hadith, that أَوَّلُ شَيْءٍ يُرْفَعُ مِنْ هَذِي الْأُمَّةِ الْخُشُوعِ حَتَّى لَا تَرَى فِيهَا خَاشِعًا He says the first thing that will be raised from this ummah, be taken away from this ummah, is this quality of khushu' until you won't even see one person who, who is khashi' who has this quality of khushu' You know Allah Sallallahu he says in the Qur'an فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَمْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ and a wail which is a valley in hellfire is for the people who pray. Allah says the people who pray will be have this valley in hellfire, but He says there is a, there's a qualification. It's not just that they pray, but when they pray, they are neglectful on their prayers. Which means the timing of the prayer. They don't pray on time. So they pray, but they're going to delay dhuhr till later, or asr till later. Ibn Abbas, he actually says, just like we mentioned yesterday in the khutbah, about the ayah of Surah Maryam, the same thing about this ayah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this actually means the one who delays dhuhr till the end of dhuhr, and then prays asr right at the beginning. So they join the... So technically they're praying on time. But they're delaying the prayer till the end, so they can get the two for one deal. They will have a valley in hellfire. You know, Abu Khattab, though, he said about this ayah, he says, Alhamdulillah, الذي قال عن ولم يقل في. says, thanks to Allah, who said on their prayers, meaning on the time of the prayers, they're negligent, and not in their prayers, they're negligent. Because if Allah said that, that's scary. And we're gonna, if we're gonna meet a valley in hell, if we're not, if we're not cognizant in our prayers, all of us struggle with our salah. Abu Khattab himself recognized it's difficult. So it's a difficult thing to do. So you have to understand it's not easy. It's going to take work. Just attending one seminar today is not going to give you the solutions. It's a, it's a, pro, it's a process. One step at a time, inshallah ta'ala. Now, I want to go over some necessary steps to help develop khushur. What are these? Are, I won't spend too much time on it. We'll just go until the next break. We're just going to cover these fairly quickly, inshallah ta'ala. Just so we have an idea of some things that 
need to be done regardless of what we're going to talk about later. So the rest of the program after this, we're going to get into salah. These are things that you just have to do. It's a given, okay? So it's kind of like a laundry list. We'll quickly go over. Number one, dua. You have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you amongst those who have khushur. Allah is al-wahhab. He's a gift giver. He gives gifts to whom He wills. Now, having khushur, having consciousness of prayer is one of the greatest gifts someone can be given. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Allah, make me amongst those who have khushur in their prayers. You know, Al-Azim ibn Abd salam he says, He says, Wallahi, لَنْ يَصِلُوا إِلَىٰ شَيْءٍ بِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ He says, look, you will never reach any goal that you have in your life without the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is nothing you will be able to accomplish in your life without the help of Allah. So he says, فَكَيْفَ يُوصَلُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ بِغَيْرِ So how then does one expect to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? To draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So brothers, this is the first and absolute most necessary step of having khushu is to actually make dua that Allah makes you a khasha. This is important. Number two, pay attention to what is being recited in the prayer. Now this sounds like obvious, like really you're telling me this? But this is important. You have to pay attention to what's being recited in the prayer. And if, you, if it's a quiet prayer, pay attention to what you're reciting. You know, there was, a, there was a, this man, the imam, he prayed salah. And there was this debate that happened after. Did he pray four rakahs or three? Salat al-Dhuhr. So the imam saying, I, you know, no, I prayed four. And some of the jama'ah are like, you prayed four. Some say, he prayed three. So they're arguing with one another. The one man says, look, look, look. I got the solution. I think I know what happened. He says, I, have, I own four businesses. And so in the first rak'ah, I think about all the finances from, for business number one. And then rak'ah number two, business number two. Rak'ah number three, business number three. But this salah, I didn't get to business number four. We only prayed three rak'ahs, we have to redo our prayer. SubhanAllah, that's how we are. We don't pay attention to the point we forget how many rak'ah we did, how many sujood, and we're just thinking about whatever. And subhanAllah, that's... Literally, shaitan comes to us. This is an authentic hadith. The Prophet said, shaitan comes to the believer when he starts his prayer and says, remember that, remember that. Remember the most random things. Like, what did, I, what did my friend wear when he was in third grade at that sleepover party when he wore those Pokemon pajamas? What was he thinking? Like, really? I mean, really? At the, the most random things come to our minds when we pray. So, literally, this is just is a base, it's obvious, but pay attention to what's being said in the prayer. Everything you say, everything the Imam is reciting, try and pay attention to what is being said. Number three, understand what you are saying. This requires, this requires studying what is said in salah. So the dua that are said in salah. Quran obviously is recited, but besides the Quran, other than the Quran, what else is said in the salah? For example, Sami'Allahu liman hamida. What does that mean? We'll cover it, inshallah. But what does that mean? Somebody's praying 40 years of his life, he doesn't know what it means. How can you focus on something you don't understand what's being said? So studying what is being said in the prayer is obviously critical to, under, to having concentration in the prayer. Number four, learn the Arabic language. This is important. Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, he says, That the language of Arabic is part of the religion of Allah. It's part of the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we learn Arabic, then when it comes to reciting the Qur'an or any dua that we say or anything, now we can understand what is being said. So learning Arabic is critical to, to, um, to, uh, 
having khushu'ah. Not only that, memorize the Qur'an. Another point, memorize the Qur'an. Have you noticed, when the Imam recites in prayer, something, a surah that you memorize, don't you pay more attention? Because you know the surah. Even in Ramadan, it's interesting, because you know what happens in Ramadan, is that, you know, in the first like five, six days, the masjid's packed for tarawih and everything. People miss Aisha, they miss the fard, they come for the sunnah, they come for tarawih. Strange. But then after like day five, day six, the spirits kind of like dims down a little bit, and then, and then you don't see as many people. And then what happens? Towards the end, it picks up. But you know what else it picks up? You know, most, a lot of people, they love Surah Yasin. Right? Surah Yasin is like a favorite. So when the Imam is going to recite Surah Yasin that day, the masjid is more full. And everybody's excited. They're like, yeah, I could listen to the Imam. And he's reciting a Surah I, that, that I know. And they're also excited in the Qadr Khanah, hoping some people, the Imam makes a mistake so I can correct him. As soon as the Imam stops for a breath, ah! And they yell from like the 10th row, in the back of the kids' room. They're yelling, Ya the Shaykh's not going to hear you. And the end of actually for correcting the imam is the, the person right behind the imam should correct. The meeting people, that's why the people right behind the imam should be most knowledgeable of the Qur'an. So when you understand, when you memorize the Qur'an though, the imam is saying something you memorize, it helps you focus more. Number six, I think number six, um, study the tafsir of the ayahs. So one thing is knowing Arabic and understanding the translation, but when you go into the, the explanation and the in-depth of the ayat, it transforms your prayer to another level. So, Study tafsir, read a book, or listen to audio lectures, whatever it is, it helps you. And t- honestly, this is a long process. But what's sad is that we've been Muslim for some of us 40, 50 years, and we still don't know what Qul A'ud bi Rabbil Falaq means. And we've been reciting it our whole lives. So not just learn the translation, but le- when you learn the in depth meaning, it gives you a whole other appreciation for salah. Next point. Leaving off sin. Leaving off sin. Now, and we'll talk about this at the end of the program, but just briefly. Inshallah ta'ala. Briefly, every time you commit a sin, a black dot is put on your heart. So, until Rasulullah says that the heart will become encased in blackness, will be like hard like a rock. So how then do you expect to stand before Allah and have a soft heart? If outside of salah you sin against Allah, constantly, openly, boldly, then how do you expect to then stand before Allah and be humble to Allah? And when you do a good deed, it removes that black dot and it replaces it with a white dot. So leaving off sin helps one develop khushur. And, and, and you know, the, the famous poetry of Imam Shafi'i, he complains to his teacher, he says, شَكَوْتُ إِلَىٰ وَكِيعِ سُوءَ حِفْظِ He was trying to memorize the Qur'an, he's saying, my memorization is weak. شَكَوْتُ إِلَىٰ وَكِيعِ سُوءَ حِفْظِ فَأَرْشَدَنِي إِلَىٰ تَرْكِ الْمَعَاصِ he says, He guided me to leave off committing sins. Because indeed the, the, the knowledge of Allah is a light, and the light of Allah is not given to a sinner. So we have to leave off sin to the best of our ability, and Allah will gift us with this gift of khushur. Number, the next point, avoid excessive laughter. The Prophet said in an authentic hadith in, in Tabarani, Excessive laughter kills the hearts. And you, you notice this a lot, especially with the young guys, like my age, you know, high school, college. You notice that. They always get together and they're just talking about random scenarios and they keep going on with like weird, weird stories. And just laugh and laugh and laugh. Allah says, wala tabkun. You laugh a lot and you don't cry. The Prophet said, if you knew the reality of what I know about Akhirah, 
you would have laughed very little and you have cried a lot. Brothers and sisters, when is the last time we have cried to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dua or in prayer? Honest question, when is the last time we cried to Allah? Was it last 27th night of Ramadan a year ago? Last time we went to Hajj, if that. Laughter hardens the heart and crying softens the heart. Next point. Pray at the pray appointed times and don't, um, don't rush. Again, it's a given. It's something that's obvious, but don't rush through your prayer. When you pray, you know the hadith Rasulullah told the man, go back and pray for you haven't prayed three times. The man came into the masjid, he prayed to rak'ahs. And every single time, he, when he's leaving the masjid, the, the Prophet told him, go back and pray for you haven't prayed. And he prayed. And so the Prophet told him that when you go into ruku'ah, stay in ruku'ah until you become still. Then when you stand up, stand up until your back becomes fully straight. Then go into sujood until you become still. And when you sit, become still. And do that for every part of your salah. It's just natural that when you slow down, it gives you the opportunity to think. When you start thinking, you have for sure. Um, next point, pray in the masjid, in the congregation. When you pray in jama'ah, you get number one, you get 27 times more reward. Number two, the Prophet said that the shaitan attacks the lone sheep. Just like the wolf attacks the lone sheep, shaitan attacks the lone believer. So when you're in congregation, it helps you to develop khushu' and stay away from the tricks of shaitan. Next point, keep your eyes on the prescribed places. So when you're praying, we're supposed to look down at the place of sajda. Except for when we're sitting down, when we're sitting down, we look at our finger. The rest of the time, we look at the sajda. So if you're looking around, naturally, it's going to distract you from the prayer. So look where the Prophet told us to look, at the place of sajda. Next point is learn about Allah so you understand who you are praying to. Now I want to spend a little time on this point. Because brothers and sisters, the most important knowledge is the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think if we knew who Allah is, if we fully understood His names and His attributes, our approach to salah would be completely different. Because we're standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I want to share with you some things. The Prophet said in a hadith Qudsi in Sahih Muslim, hadith Qudsi is something that Allah is saying by the words of Muhammad He says, Ya ibadi, Oh my slaves, all of you are misguided except for those whom I have guided. So ask me for guidance, I will give you guidance. Ya ibadi, أطعمكم. Oh my slaves, you are all hungry except for whom I have given food. So ask me for food, I will give you. You know, subhanAllah, what's amazing is that you know everything that we eat or drink is written for us. Specifically, when you go home and you peel an orange, you go to Walmart and you buy an orange, that orange that you purchased when it came all the way from Florida and got shipped to Texas, and the one that got placed in a Walmart, and you happened to go to that Walmart at the time when that specific orange was placed there, and you chose that specific one, that was actually written for you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not random. Every sip of water you drink, that water bottle you buy, that specific water that came from the spring in Colorado that was put in this specific bottle, those specific 10-12 ounces were written for you that you drink as a gift from Allah. And when you open that orange and you take one peel, for, one slice for yourself and one slice you give to your brother, the one he had was written for him by Allah, a gift. 
Everything we have is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says, Ya ibadi kullukum aar illa man kasawtuh fastaksuni aksukum That all oh my slaves, all of you are without clothes except for those, who, those who I'm, whom I have clothed. So ask me for clothes, I will give you clothes. He says, يَا عِبَادِي إِنَّكُمْ تُخْتِرُونَ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ وَأَنْ أَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا فَاسْتَغْفِرُونِ أَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ O my slaves, you commit sins and mistakes in the day and the night, and I forgive all the sins. So ask me for forgiveness, I will forgive you. He says, يَا عِبَادِي إِنَّكُمْ لَنْ تَبْلُغُوا ضَرِّي فَتَذَرُونِي وَلَنْ تَبْلُغُوا نَفْعِي If the first of you to the last, the humans and the jinn were as Righteous as the most righteous person amongst you. If all of the men of the Ummah were like Abu Bakr and all the women of the Ummah were like Maryam السلام, That would not increase the dominion of Allah in any way at all. See people sometimes think, why do I need to pray? Why does Allah need my prayer? Who am I? No, Allah doesn't need your prayer. We need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need Allah's help. Allah doesn't need us. Then he says, يَا عِبَادِي لَوْ أَنَّ أَوَّلَكُمْ وَآخِرَكُمْ وَإِنْسَكُمْ وَجِنَّكُمْ كَانُوا عَلَىٰ أَفْجَلِ قَلْبِ رَجُلٍ وَاحِدٍ مَا نَقْ مِنْكُمْ مَا نَقْصَ ذَلِكَ مِنْ مُلْكِ شَيْئًا O oh my slaves, if all of you, first to last, human and jinn, were, were like the most sinful slave in, in this world, the most sinful person in the history of the world, that wouldn't diminish from the kingdom of Allah in the least bit. And he says, يَا عِبَادِي لَوْ أَنَّ أَوَّلَكُمْ وَآخِرَكُمْ وَإِنْسَكُمْ وَجِنَّكُمْ قَامُوا فِي صَعِيدٍ وَاحِدٍ فَسَأَلُونِي فَأَعْطَيْتُ كُلَّ إِنسَانٍ مَسْأَلَتَهُ مَا نَقَصَ ذَلِكَ مِنْ مِمَّا عِنْدِي إِلَّا كَمَا يَنْقُصُ الْمِخْيَطُ إِذَا أُدْخِلَ الْبَحْرُ He says that if all of you from beginning to end, from Adam a.s. to the Day of Judgment, ins and human were to stand on one plane and everybody asks me what they want. Imagine, you want gold, you want silver, you want palaces, you want Ferraris, you want land, you want planets. You want to own islands and you want to own the whole earth. Everybody, the trillions of people who have lived on this earth, everybody asked, and jinn, asked Allah for whatever they wanted. That would not diminish the kingdom of Allah the least bit. And he gave the example, just like a, a bird takes out a drop of water from the ocean. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is who we stand before to worship every day. Now, what's interesting is that if we try to count the blessings of Allah upon us, we won't be able to do so. Allah says, If you try to even count one blessing of Allah upon you, you, you can't do it, let alone all the blessings of Allah. You know, there was, there was a, a, a woman uh, in New York who had kidney failure. This woman, she had kidney failure. She needed a kidney transplant. And so they began the search, you know, you know, the doctors, you know, they're looking for who can, who can um, donate their kidney to this, this woman to save, to save her life, really. She's diocese dependent, she needs a kidney transplant. So they began the search and they found out that her husband actually had the matching kidney type that can be donated to his wife to save her life. So the husband, being the loving husband, you know, he said, I'll go ahead with the surgery. It's funny because when I asked this question to another group, I said, I asked them, what do you think the husband would do? Would he do the surgery or not? So the brothers in the crowd said no, the sister said yes. <laughs> what do you guys think? He would do the surgery? Yeah, of course. This is his wife, man. Come on, man. I mean, it's your wife. 
So he says, yeah, I'll do the surgery. So he does the surgery. He donates his kidney to his wife. And mashallah, imagine now like how this couple would, be, would feel. I mean, the husband's like, man, I'm the man. I should expect lamb, hadrabadi, biryani at home every day I come home from work. Why? Because I saved your life. And you owe me. That's the least you can do for me. Hook me up with some biryani. If you want to throw in some gulab jamun and kunafa also, yeah, I need the better. Barakah. That's how he sh- And the woman's probably like, I owe my husband my life. Right? He saved, I mean, he gave me one of his own organs. That's, not, that's, not, that's pretty serious. So, there must have been a cloud night. SubhanAllah, the husband finds out that a year, just one year separated from the surgery, he finds out that his wife cheated on him. And he was like, oh man, that's not cool, man. I gave you, I gave you a piece of me, man. I gave you my own kidney. And you're gonna go cheat on me. He was so upset, he filed a lawsuit. He said, I want my kidney back. <laughs> so what does the judge do? We reverse the surgery, we give the kidney, and you can't do that. So he says, fine, just give me $1.5 million and we'll call it a day. But you know what's interesting? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-halim. He's the most forbearing. So Allah gave us our kidneys. He gave us our eyes. He gave us our health. He gave us our beauty. He gave us everything we have. Brothers and sisters, do we act like this woman? Do we take the blessings Allah has given us and use those same blessings to sin against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Oh Allah, you gave me my eyes, but I'm going to look at haram. Oh Allah, you gave me my beauty, but I'm not going to wear hijab. I will use the same blessings you gave me to sin against you. Allah. But even with that, even when we do this, the epitome of ingratitude, of boldness against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah still keeps giving us. He doesn't take away our eyesight. He doesn't paralyze us next time or we can't sin with our hand or with our feet. He keeps giving us His blessings. Al-Halim. Even in narration, Allah says in Hadith Qudsi, مَا أَنصَفَنِي عَبْدِي يَدْعُونِي فَأَسْتَحِي أَنْ أَرُدَّهُ وَيَعْصِرِينِي وَلَا يَسْتَحِي مِنِّي He says, my slave hasn't been fair to me. He, he asks, he makes dua to me and I answer him. I feel shy to not answer him. But he sins against me. He doesn't feel shy from me. Subhanallah. Allah is Al-Halim. Allah is As-Sattar. The one who covers our sins. You know, we commit sins and sins and sins and Allah Ta'ala, out of His mercy to us, covers us. If, you know, the ulama, they say if we had a stench, if our sins had a stench, we wouldn't even come within, you know, miles of one another because of how much, how bad we would smell. But Allah covers our sins. And there are some people, who are so bold against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they will sin and then they'll publicize their sins. They'll tell other people, they'll post their pictures on Facebook with the girl that they were at the club or the guy they were at the club. Drinking alcohol. Sisters will post their pictures on Facebook without hijab. That's publicly sinning. And you know what that means? The Prophet said, and this is serious. He says, he says, That all of my ummah is apt to be forgiven except for those who publicly sin. 
He says they spent the night committing sins. Because committing sin is natural. We will all commit sins. He spent the night committing sins, but Allah covered him. And then in the day, he goes and tells so-and-so, I've committed such and such, I've done such and such. He spent the night in the cover of Allah, and, and then he removed the cover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is al-ghafoor, al-rahman, al-rahim. And everybody can be forgiven by Allah, except for the one who publicly sins. So never, brothers and sisters, post pictures on Facebook or on Twitter or do something publicly sinning against Allah. At least have the decency to, and the shame to hide when you're committing the sins. But then when you know Allah, and you know as Allah is al-raqib, you know Allah is always watching you. But brothers now, even brothers, they'll post their pictures on Facebook at the club. They'll post pictures of their wives without hijab. Maybe their wedding day. Sisters usually get the, the makeup and stuff, and a lot of times in this disgusting culture, but it is what it is. It's culture. They don't wear that. Even muhajjabat, sisters who wear hijab, won't wear the hijab on the wedding. So it's, their hair is showing they have makeup on. Of course, it's haram to go out like that. But then they'll post their pictures on Facebook. Look at me in my wedding day. And where's the ghira? Where's the sense of protective jealousy? Where's the sense of honor? We're gonna publicize our sins against Allah. How bold have we become against Allah? To the point it's so serious that Allah, the Prophet said, you will never be forgiven by Allah if you publicize your sins. Unless you stop. You take off the pictures, you repent. But this is a serious problem that's spread like, like, a, like the plague in our ummah. People publicize their sins and they think it's okay. But Allah is a sattar. He's the one who repetitively covers our sins. So never, brothers and sisters, be the one who uncovers the cover of Allah. He's a tawwab. He's the one who repetitively forgives and repents. He even says, Wallahu yuridu an yatuba alaykum. Allah wants to turn to you in repentance. So no matter how many sins I have committed, can I come back to Allah? Absolutely. You know, we say people have baggage, people sin and they have baggage. You know, Allah's doors are never too narrow for anyone. No matter how many sins you have committed, you turn back to Allah. Not only will He accept you, but He says, in Surah Al-Faqan, For the one who turns back to Allah in repentance and believes and he works righteous deeds, For this person, Allah will replace their bad deeds with good deeds. Imagine you've spent 30 years at the club and sinning and doing all these bad deeds, never prayed, and then you come back to Allah and repent to Allah. All those evil deeds that you did won't just be wiped away, they will actually be converted into good deeds and will be put on the scale of good deeds. This is how merciful Allah is. He is Al-Ghafoor, the one who constantly forgives. You know what he says in Surah Al-Ghafir? And the ayah that Amr al-Khattab, he says, I think this ayah is the most, the ayah that gives us most reason to hope in Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, حَامِيم تَنْزِيلُ الْكِتَابِ مِنْ اللَّهِ الْعَزِيزِ الْعَلِيمِ غَافِرِ الذَّنْبِ وَقَابِلِ التَّوْبِ شَدِيدِ الْعِقَابِ الطَّوْلِ He says, the one who forgives sins and accepts repentance. But he says, Amr al-Khattab says, قَدَّمَ غَفُورُ الذُّنُوبِ عَنْ قَبُولِ التَّوْبَةِ Subhanallah. Allah first says He will forgive the sins, then He says, I accept repentance. 
You can't even imagine how merciful Allah is. He first says he'll forgive the sins before even the one repents. وَقَابِلِ التَّوْبِ شَدِيدِ الْعِقَابِ But he's severe in punishment for the one who turns away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The most constantly merciful, the, 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 the abundantly merciful, and the constantly merciful. You know what the Prophet he says, إِنَّ لِلَّهِ مِئَةَ رَحْمَةً Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has divided mercy into 100 portions. And he says that only 1%, one portion has been put in this world and 99% is left for akhirah. So the mercy that we see amongst the creatures of Allah, a mercy a mother shows to her child, is just 1% of the mercy of Allah. Watch this video. And this is the one whom we stand before and pray five times a day. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. So brothers and sisters, to sum it up, when the more we learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more we learn about Allah, the more you will love Allah. And the more you love Allah, the more you look forward to praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one of the necessary steps to khushu' is to learn about who Allah is. I just gave you just some points. But this is the most important knowledge one can have is the knowledge of Allah. And once you know Allah subhanahu He saved 99% of His mercy for Akhirah. You know like Imam al-Shafi'i, he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me Islam without even me asking Him for it. I was born a Muslim. So I am hopeful that He will bless me with Firdaus al-A'la while I am asking Him for it. Can you imagine? Yani, the Salaf, they would say, I look forward to meeting the 99% of the mercy of Allah in Al-Akhirah. If Allah gave me the greatest form of mercy is what? Islam. That's the greatest mercy is being a Muslim. We were given that mercy in this world, so imagine what Allah has in store for us with the other 99% in Al-Akhirah. 
This is our Lord. This is your Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fa'buduh. So worship him. The least we can do is give him five to worship out of, uh, for our own need. He doesn't need it. Our own need. Pray five times a day with concentration. Then inshaAllah, we'll end the session with what the Hadith Prophet said in Sahih Muslim. A man will ask the Prophet, Ayyul a'mani ahabbu Allah. Which deed is most loved by Allah? And the Prophet told him, As-salatu ala waqtiha. Prayer on its time. So if we start to learn about Allah and we love Allah, because we all claim to love Allah, but if we truly love Allah, then we would want to do what's most loved to Him. We would want to worship Him by what's, what He loves the most. The Prophet said the, the thing Allah loves the most is the five prayers on their appointed times. So next time we pray, we know it's a gift from Allah to us and we know Allah loves when we do it.